Hey everyone, thanks for checking out KettleCast, a spot where you can come for discussion with technology consultants who have seen it all. Matt Leathers, our lead consultant here at Kettle, has over 15 years of experience working for some of the leading firms in the world. Today we are here to provide practical ideas based off our wealth of experience across all types of industries while hopefully providing some entertainment and advice. Hey everyone, before we get started, I want to pop in and tell you we are pivoting from our last series from the Cannabis Diaries to a broader topic. This series, titled Drive or Be Driven, How to Manage Your Career Like a Consultant and the accompanying blog post can be found on the episode page. Some of this content will be tailored towards those who are specifically looking to strengthen their consulting career, but as we all know, consultants are called in to fix problems, so why not incorporate these practices into your day-to-day no matter what your title is and impress your boss or better your organization. If anything we say sparks your interest, feel free to go to the show page and leave comments and questions. We would love to hear from you. All right, let's get started. Okay, we're back. A few episodes back, we started discussing the three common mistakes consultants can make in managing their careers, and last episode, we started taking a closer look at each of those mistakes. If you missed episode nine, you can go back and listen to Matt's take on how to properly set and manage priorities. Today, we are looking at the second mistake, which is leaving problems unclear. I think a lot of the ideas around this topic boil down to communication, and I don't know about you, but after dealing with all types of people, in all types of jobs, I am always open to new ways to improve my communication skills. I'll hand it over to Matt now to get us going. Thanks, Amanda. So uh, leaving problems unclear is a common mistake. And part of the reason why consultants are, are susceptible to it is in those competitive environments, if you ask too many questions or if you ask what are perceived as dumb questions, then your star starts to fade very quickly. And nobody wants to look silly or ridiculous in front of a partner or somebody who's going to be writing their review. So clarifying an unclear problem is actually one of the assessment criteria in the performance evaluations for consultants and and analysts and most of the big firms. So whether it's Accenture or Deloitte or KPMG, we would literally ask each other, as people giving out performance reviews, were they good at defining or clarifying unclear problems? Because whether it is an assignment and I say, hey, Amanda, can you please work on that presentation or put that process flow together? Or if you are a high level senior executive and the business team comes to you and says, hey, look, you know, our marketing plan failed. Um, here's why, or can you figure out why? It is a strong capability and a a unique talent to be able to actually start to hear and understand the problem and then break it down in a way that actually solves the problem as opposed to kind of jumps at solutions or flails around in an attempt to try to solve a problem that that may um, or may not um, fit with the solution that, that you're providing. As the saying goes, if everything is a, a nail to a hammer, um, 
you're going to see everything uh, and you're going to use your hammer on everything, even if it requires a screwdriver or a drill or something like that. So here's how to clarify unclear problems. And again, with the idea that we're giving you a script to follow. And over time, you can improv and, and uh, adjust and adapt this how you see fit. So what sounds better? Could you help me understand? Or I don't understand. Which of the two sounds more intelligent? And which of the two facilitates a dialogue? So uh, a friend of mine, we worked together at Cox Communications in Atlanta, and we were actually working on competing project teams where she came from a firm called North Highland, and I was with Accenture at the time. And we were there for, I think, three or four years, and we tackled all kinds of crazy problems, network reliability, fixing the call center, um, you know, trying to find problems in the matrix before customers noticed them. And it's a cable company. It was, you know, it's not like the, the place is, uh, is perfect, but we made things better during our time there. And during this time, AT&T and Verizon both launched their television services in the United States. So almost immediately, subscriber levels leveled off and then started to drop. And the margins and the price pressure in the marketplace became a lot more competitive and it was no longer essentially a monopoly. And so it was a very intense time, but one of the things that my friend, and her name is Deirdre, Deirdre Glover, hi Deirdre. One of the things that Deirdre did really well as a organizational change consultant probably a fancy way to say a therapist for the, for the team, um, it was that she would do what she would call clarifying questions. And this is a, an incredible life hack that I still use where she had a way of asking a question and it would be along the lines of, could you help me understand? As opposed to, well, that's not going to work or that doesn't make any sense. The latter puts people on their back feet and creates confrontation. Asking clarifying questions creates a dialogue, it creates collaboration, and many times if you say or ask, could you help me, most people will say absolutely. There may be limits on how much they can help or their ability to express or explain, but can you help me? is going to most of the time get a response along the lines of absolutely. So let's talk through some of those clarifying questions. The first thing she would ask, and, and we'd be in meetings, and, and I saw her do this many, many times, she would say, excuse me, could I ask a few clarifying questions? So she would start with permission. Once she got permission, she would ask a clarifying question such as, can you help me understand how that will work? Now, one way to reframe that from a career perspective might be, could you or somebody else walk me through that task? Or could I watch you perform that task? Could I shadow you to see how you do it? And then you take notes and then you play back the experience to them. And most of the time, people will be perfectly happy to let you do that um, and, and share with you what they're looking at and what they're doing. 
um, for at least one, maybe two, sometimes endless times. But after the first, second, maybe third time, you should really kind of start to show some independence. So this isn't to give you cover for staying in a state of unawareness or lack of skill. This is to help you clarify a problem, see how it's done, see how it's done according to their standard. And once you know their standard for success and completeness, you will be able to hit that mark and clear that bar every time. So can you help me understand or could you show me or do you have an example will will help you get their support and get their buy-in even if it's just an hour of their time to show how to do it um could you please explain that to me could become so so who is the audience that we are doing this for and um, what do you or what do they want out of the task or the deliverable so, you know, for example, if, if you are creating a presentation for a sales meeting or you are creating um, software or, you know, writing an article, who's going to read that report? What are they looking for? Are they going to use it to make a decision? Are they using it for informational purposes? Um, is that going to be something where you think that they're going to be able to improve, say, audience engagement on social media? understand what the thing of value is that will be created or supported coming out of the task or the deliverable or the responsibility because if you understand your audience then you can understand to what means and to what end they're trying to um, have you perform this activity or this task and again you should be able to understand that and try to make sure that that goal is achieved um, how will we measure if it worked as expected? Essentially is how do I measure success? That can be the length of the report, the, the size of a sales pursuit. But fundamentally what you're trying to understand is how does that person giving you the assignment measure success? And be specific. Sometimes it's the absence of, so absence of something like, well, nobody yelled at me today. Well, that's that's you know it's a little vague or nebulous but that's still a very powerful thing um, in terms of not getting shouted at uh, that motivates a lot of people in this world um, and then last you know another type of clarifying question is how long will that take so another way of asking that from a career point of view is when do you need to have it completed and could I check in with you to make sure I'm on the right track so your words are going to vary a bit, but the structure is basically the same. Asking for help, demonstrate a willingness to be independent, and committing to getting the work done after seeing it once, maybe twice. Um, as you're doing this, uh, another, the second component of clarifying unclear problems, checking yourself. I have noticed, and I have done this myself, but a lot of people will spend hours and hours, if not days of time, creating something, and then when you reveal it, you realize that it went way off the rails. So my, my nine-year-old daughter likes to watch the show, Nailed It. And think of yourself on an episode of Nailed It. If you've been given a task or an assignment, and you're spending, you know, two weeks working on something 
and a week and a half into it, you don't have any kind of feedback from the judges on the show, um, you are probably asking for trouble, um, possibly serious trouble. Um, there have been some experiences where I had to go from Jacksonville, Florida to Los Angeles, California to fix a situation where a deliverable that had been a month in, in progress um, was not up to the business's expectations. The client was furious. And there's a partner and two analysts on the ground in Los Angeles that had put this thing together and it was nowhere near the mark. So you don't wanna take people by surprise. So a wise thing to do is if you have spent an hour to two hours trying to figure it out on your own, stop. That is long enough to ask for a discussion and to check if you are directionally correct. Directionally correct is that code and, and a phrase that we use in consulting to say, it's not done, it is a draft, but I just wanna make sure that as I come out of the gate and start racing towards the finish line, that I am on the right track. And you will avoid wasting your time, you'll avoid wasting their time if you check and say you are directionally correct. Um, and finally, crowdsourcing. So helping understand a, a poorly defined problem. And there's, a, there's an experience and an example here where I was asked to benchmark a uh, industry and a company and there were no benchmarks. So, you know, telematics is an industry that I had not experienced before uh, about two or three weeks before that project started. And the telematics industry is, is basically, if you think about the in-car airbag notifications or um, the in-car mapping systems, there's Pandora, Stitcher, um, radio in the car, traffic navigation systems in the car. All those things were, were brand new when I was assigned to this project and this engagement. And in our contract, we had committed to benchmarking this company against other companies there weren't any other companies to benchmark against. So I had a pretty poorly defined problem on my hands and I had to remediate it because I had a contract that I had to deliver against. So here's how I did it. Um, I, I basically looked at past experiences as an individual and as a company I hadn't done that exact thing, but I was able to translate some prior experiences to what they wanted to get out of the benchmarking activity and exercise. So you start with, and in terms of a poorly defined problem, um, understanding what they're trying to achieve and their goals. So in this case, in terms of benchmarking, the client wanted to get some reassurance that they were not beyond repair and that their problems were not completely alien or foreign. That, yeah, they were problems, but these are actually fairly normal things, and therefore there was a fix and there was a remedy. So I was able to clarify what they wanted out of the benchmarking activity. And since I couldn't compare them to other telematics companies, 
I engaged in a dialogue with them to talk about what we could do. And so talking through what we could do, we identified a few target companies that did make sense from a comparison purpose. And it took some discussion because it wasn't patently obvious that those were going to be good comparisons. And then finally, connecting the experiences and the stories um, to the situation. So understanding and relating that maybe it wasn't an exact fit, but helping walk through and understand my experiences in conducting a similar assessment and how those seem to be related, the more they heard about those experiences, the more they realized, yes, okay, this, this actually is highly relevant. We were able to do a benchmarking exercise for them that met their goals and, and satisfied them. Um, and I think for a lot of you listening, maybe you haven't graduated yet, you're still in school. Well, the reality is you've got a lot of class work, you have a lot of work experiences and experiences in clubs or other entities that have probably required you to do you know, similar, similar things like this, um, quantifying or clarifying an unclear problem. How do you get change? How do you get people to change? How do you bring people together in your community or in an internship um, or to make things happen? Um, whether it's a regulatory issue or a safety issue, um, banks, utilities, insurance providers, they're all familiar with that. If you're talking about regulatory uncertainty and market upheaval and new product lines, well, the cannabis industry seems to be the gold standard right now. But Amazon, PayPal, Uber, Exelon, Facebook, Arimbo, there's a whole host of other organizations that have gone through these waves and these trends themselves. So don't underestimate the power of your experiences and your story, because if you know what they're trying to achieve, then you can pull from your experiences as a person or as a company to try to solve those and explain those and help them meet those challenges. Thanks, Matt. I personally find this advice helpful um, as somebody who's closer to the beginning of their career and has found themselves in the room with a lot of people who are much more experienced than myself. I find that I often get in the spot where they assume I know more than I know and being able to communicate with them and ask them these type of questions really helps give you some credibility sometimes and often helps them understand where they're trying to go more than they realized when they first sort of started the conversation with you. So um, I think this can be really helpful for anyone in any job. It does not have to be a consultant. Um, okay, as usual, that's it. You guys can go to the show notes to get to our show page and leave questions and comments, and we'll be back soon. Thanks. Thanks.